0: Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 12, 29 through 51, called A Great Cry in Egypt.
1: Exodus chapter 12. If you are new with us, you've missed a lot. Uh, But we've gone through all of the nine plagues, and we're at the final plague this morning. And this is, as Shane prayed earlier, it is a sad text in many ways, because judgment finally comes to Egypt. And uh, a great cry, uh, a great wailing occurs in the land of Egypt. And this week, I was reading the text and studying it and preparing as I normally do, and I was just struck with the sadness that must have uh, permeated Egypt on that uh, fateful night when the Lord finally poured out his judgment. We uh, opened the text together in Exodus twelve twenty-nine: a great cry in Egypt. Now it came about at midnight. One of the renderings is it happened at midnight that the Lord struck, Exodus twelve twenty nine all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon and all the firstborn of the cattle. And then Pharaoh arose in the night, he and all his servants, all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt, there's our title, and there was no home where there was not someone dead pray with me father thank you for the reality of the bible the good the bad and the ugly the the beauty of grace and compassion and the reality of judgment are all within the pages of scripture the scriptures do not hide these realities one thing that we do know lord is that you are a god of patience you've been so patient with us you don't want anybody to perish but all to come to repentance but There is a time when you warn and warn and finally judgment day comes, in this case judgment night, and we know it is something that breaks your heart. You take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, you tell us in Ezekiel, and yet here we are looking at this judgment, and we do know that there is a judgment to come. We know that you will, there's a day of the Lord coming, a second Passover when you will judge the world, and and the real difference on that day will be whether or not the blood has been applied to our lives, the blood of the Lamb. So help us to have a sense of urgency, not only for our own uh, security in you, but also to share the good news with others. And bless our time together. May you be glorified, and may you give us understanding. May we apply your word for your glory. In Jesus' name, if you agree, would you say? Amen. Amen. Now, like a lot of stories that we might read in a book or otherwise, now, it came about, or it came to pass, or it came about at midnight. Now, we are told that the, this was the time that the Lord passed over. It was about midnight. In the ancient world, I think people went to bed a little bit earlier. So people would have, been, would have gone to bed for the night, and the Lord struck at midnight. It happened at midnight that the Lord struck. I want you to notice that it is the Lord that is executing the judgment and he, he struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt. Notice the sweeping descriptions. This is a good way to think about this is from the greatest to the least. From the firstborn of Pharaoh, that would be the prince of Egypt, who sat on his throne, to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon. Literally, the Hebrew here is the pit house. And all the firstborn of the cattle as well. So the Lord struck from the palace to the dungeon from the palace to the pit house and not only that but to the stall where the cattle were and death enveloped egypt on this night and this this is a hard thing to take it's a sobering judgment it's the final plague and it's the sad consequences of many years of abuse slavery and rejection of god It had built up over decades, perhaps even centuries, where the Egyptian people enslaved the people of God and they suffered cruel bondage. They were abused and beaten and treated like they were just, you know, cattle to serve the purposes of the Egyptian people. Romans 2, 5, and 6 says, but because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and revelation of his righteous judgment. Who will render? God will render to every man according to his deeds. The judgment for Egypt had stored up. It stacked up, stack upon stack upon stack, and God waited and God warned. And he had warned Pharaoh on multiple occasions. If you flip back to Exodus chapter four, look at verse 22, just to remind you that this was a long time in coming. You shall say to Pharaoh, God is instructing what to say to Pharaoh, he's instructing Moses, thus says the Lord, four twenty-two, Israel is my firstborn, or is my son my firstborn. So I said to you, Let my son go that he may serve me. But you have refused to let him go. Behold, I will kill your son, your firstborn. You won't let my firstborn go, which is the nation of Israel? Then I will kill your firstborn. And this is what we might call divine retribution. At some point, if someone doesn't repent like the Pharaoh, if they are stubborn, then God will mete out judgment. Take a look at 319, just so you get a little bit of a picture of Pharaoh's heart. The Lord says, but I know, 319 of Exodus, the king of Egypt will not permit you to go except under compulsion. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all All my miracles, which I shall do in the midst of it, and after that he will let you go. And so the Lord had predicted what was going to happen that Pharaoh would be stubborn, that he would fight God, that he would stack his sin one upon another, and finally he would let the people go. In Exodus 11, this is a message that Matthew shared with us. Look at verse 1 of Exodus 11. Now the Lord said to Moses, One more plague I will bring on Pharaoh and on Egypt. After that he will let you go from here. When he lets you go, he will surely drive you out from here completely. Skip down to 4, 11, 4. Moses said, Thus says the Lord, About midnight I am going out into the midst of Egypt, and all the firstborn, 11, 5, in the land of Egypt shall die. From the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on the throne, even to the firstborn of the slave girl, a little stylistic variation from chapter 12, who is behind the millstones, all the firstborn of the cattle as well. Moreover, there shall be a great cry in all the land of Egypt. So the Lord foretold this, just as there had not been before, and such shall as never be again. But against any of the sons of Israel, a dog shall not even bark, whether against man or beast, that you may understand how the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. In all these, your servants will come down to me and bow themselves before me. He's talking to the Pharaoh now, saying, go out you and all the people who follow you. And after that, I will go out. And he went out from Pharaoh in hot anger. So you can see that Moses on multiple occasions warned the Pharaoh, told him what, it, what was coming. And we've already dealt with nine plagues, nine radical plagues, where devastation has come to Egypt, so much so that the people finally say to Pharaoh, don't you understand that Egypt is ruined are you the only one who doesn't see what's going on here? You've been ravaged. You've been defeated. You've been beaten. But the Pharaoh continued to harden his heart, and he dug his heels in, and God confirmed that hardness in his heart. And the oppressive Pharaoh, one who was in, on the throne before this one, who did not know Joseph, the book opens this way, had caused the death of Israel's baby boys. We know that Moses escaped this. Remember, his mom put him on the Nile, and made a little tenderly made a little basket for him and he was discovered by the daughter of the pharaoh that's the only way that Moses survived and at first the pharaoh had told the hebrew midwives in exodus 16 every hebrew female that is born let her live but if it's a male when the when the hebrew woman is giving birth kill it and the hebrew midwives said no we will not do that we will not destroy these children and the Lord blessed the midwives. And in Exodus one twenty two, the Pharaoh spread out his edict and he said, I want my people to do this. And the implication is that the people of Egypt killed the Hebrew baby boys. And the, the Nile was turned red with blood. That's the blood of the Hebrew babies. And the first plague in Egypt was God turning the Nile into blood at Uh, To say at least in part, you've done this to my people, I will kill your God. I will kill the Nile River. You're not to treat my firstborn this way. You're not to treat my people this way. Saul, Saul, the Lord Jesus said to Saul on the road to Damascus, why do you persecute me? When you hurt my people, you hurt me. When you've done it to the least of these, you've done it for me, Jesus says, He's directly connected to his people. He feels our pain. He knows our sorrow. And the Pharaoh had perpetrated all kinds of crimes on the Hebrew baby boys. He had killed many of them is the implications of the text. And Herod had even done the same thing when Jesus was born Herod was freaked out and trying to protect his throne. And the Magi came to him and Herod said, oh, go make careful search for the child. And when you find him, bring him back to me so that I might worship him. And all God's people said, liar, liar, liar. You're a liar. He wanted to kill Jesus. And what's interesting is that an angel appeared to Joseph in a dream when Jesus was just a little baby or a little toddler and said, take the child to Egypt to escape Herod, because Herod wants to destroy the child, he wants to destroy the Messiah, and Joseph obeyed. But we know what happened in Bethlehem, right? That all the Hebrew baby the Jewish baby boys, two years and old, uh, younger, were killed under Herod's decree, and there was weeping in Bethlehem. And Rachel, pictured here in her weeping, refused to be comforted because her children were no more. You have to understand. That when God's judgment finally comes on Egypt, much blood has been shed. Much evil has been perpetrated. God does not take pleasure in judgment. But finally, judgment does come.
0: You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Would you consider giving a year end gift to walk in truth?
1: We rely on the generosity of our listeners to help fund this ministry so we can equip as many people as possible with God's truth and show them how to apply that truth to their life. We hope Pastor Michael's teachings have been doing that for you. Would you please consider giving a gift of $20? With the help of your donation, we will continue to bring the gospel to people listening on this radio station and straight to their phone through podcast. Please give your donation of $20 now. Visit walkintruth.com and click Donate. Visit walkintruth.com. Thank you so much for your partnership.
0: We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walkin' Truth. And what's interesting is that an
1: angel appeared to Joseph in a dream when Jesus was just a little baby or a little toddler, and said, "Take the child to Egypt to escape Herod because Herod wants to destroy the child. He wants to destroy the Messiah." And Joseph obeyed. But we know what happened in Bethlehem, right? That all the Hebrew baby or the Jewish baby boys, two years and old, uh, younger, were killed under Herod's decree, and there was weeping in Bethlehem, and Rachel, pictured here in her weeping, refused to be comforted because her children were no more. You have to understand that when God's judgment finally comes on Egypt, much blood has been shed. Much evil has been perpetrated. God does not take pleasure in judgment, but finally judgment does come. And Egypt, as I mentioned earlier, had ample warning And finally, now judgment is realized on this night. And it is interesting, uh, Joseph did take Jesus to Egypt, and uh, then he returned back. Jesus had his own exodus out of Egypt, returned back to the land of Israel, then ultimately grew up in Nazareth. This is Matthew 2.15. He was in Egypt until the death of Herod, that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet might be fulfilled, saying, out of Egypt did I call my son. Jesus is the ultimate Israel. He does a second exodus. He goes to Egypt for a little while and returns back to the promised land and then fulfills the imagery of the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, not just Israel's sin, but the sin of the whole world. And so Pharaoh is now finally tasting divine retribution. Pharaoh and Egypt are now paying the price of justice from the palace to the pit of the dungeon in the place where the cattle would be kept. Death was all around Egypt. Death had surrounded the nation. We've been through a, a scary last year and you know we're hearing now uh, talk of a variant of the, the COVID virus and We know those early pictures when we were seeing pictures in Italy and other places of people, you know, in hospitals and you couldn't even get enough body bags and stuff like that. And there was a scary virus that hit our world and it's still around and we have a better understanding of it today But we have been through something like this. And of course, not to this extent, but certainly we've been through something like this. And here's the question that I would ask of you. And I would ask it of our world. What have we learned? What have we learned in terms of our own response to God? Well, Pharaoh arose in the night 30, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians. And there was a great wailing in Egypt. There was no home where there was not someone dead. Now we know that the Hebrews were instructed to put the blood on the doorposts and on the lentil of their house and their doors were sealed with the blood and the destroyer came, the angel of death on that night and I'm sure carefully investigated each house and when he saw the blood, everybody was protected. But not one home in Egypt was spared this death. There was no application of the blood there. And I, and I would submit to you that the Egyptian people had heard about this. They knew what the Hebrews were up to. They knew what God had warned the Pharaoh. I'm sure talk had spread, but there was no application of the blood in Egypt. And the question becomes one for us to ask, since Egypt is a symbol of the world, is how much application of the blood of the lamb has happened in our land? Let me ask you a question. If we were to be able to get A insight into what households or individuals in our own city were were sealed with the blood and who was not. Let's say in Corona. Let's say that the Lord gave you an aerial view of houses that were sealed and houses that were not. How about if we spread it out to Southern California? How about if we took the state of California or the United States of America and we got a true picture of who's sealed and who's not? What do you think the percentages might be? And what might that do to our own passion for evangelism and making sure that we are right with the Lord? Well, the Lord struck around midnight. And I would imagine within minutes, perhaps no more than hours, discoveries of death were being made all over the place. I would imagine because word traveled about what was warned to the Pharaoh that maybe parents didn't even sleep that night. Maybe they were they stayed up. Maybe uh, it was a restless evening for many people. And the Pharaoh, notice that the text starts with the Pharaoh, that the Pharaoh arose in the night and all his servants and all the Egyptians and the prince of Egypt was dead. The heir to the throne. Do you know in Egyptian, in the Egyptian uh, pantheon of gods and goddesses, the Pharaoh was supposed to be a god. He was the next god for Egypt. He was the visible manifestation of the sun god, Ra. He was supposed to be light and life to his people. And now he was dead. Their god was dead. The heir to the Egyptian throne was gone. And I'm sure that word began to travel quickly. The prince is dead. No, the prince is dead. And then can you imagine if we put it in a modern scene? Can you imagine... A city where maybe you got an aerial view and you can see light after light come on in households and then you just hear wailing cries. All over Egypt, not one house didn't have somebody dead. Cattle were dead. And it's a sad, sad scene. And it reminds me that the Bible says that death is no respecter of persons, right? It went from the palace to the dungeon, When death hits, it hits. And the truth of the matter is that the wages of our sin is death. That's why we die, because we've sinned against God. And God is the one responsible, as hard as this might be for us to take, to bring death into the world. But he also brought a solution into the world. He brought a savior. He brought the Lamb of God. He allowed his son to take our place to pay our redemption price. But the reason we die is our first parents blew it. In the day that you eat thereof, you shall surely die. And they died. They died spiritually. They died in the most important relationship in their lives. That is to know God. That's the most important thing that you and I can do is to know our creator. And loud wailing permeated the land of Egypt.
0: You've been listening to A Great Cry in Egypt, Part 1 on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 12, 29-51. If you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, we want to say that we're very grateful for our Walk in Truth partners. It's thanks to you and our church that this mission has grown to serve people in over seven radio markets across the U.S., And it's listened to in over 26 countries on podcast. We've always tried to reach more people with the truth in the Bible and to help people see how it does still apply to their everyday life. Furthermore, to demonstrate how God does love the world. During this Christmas season, are you able to help us continue this mission? As you know, we are a listener-supported ministry and we could use your help. Would you consider adding Walk in Truth to your Christmas list? We would appreciate a one-time gift of whatever you can give. But of course, you becoming a Walk in Truth partner giving at least $5, 10 or $20 a month would go a long way too. If this program has added to your day-to-day study in the Word of God, please visit walkintruth.com and click Donate. That's walkintruth.com and click Donate. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word.
1: Well, as the great cry in Egypt went up, it was a sad day, a day of destruction, a day of judgment. You could say that 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 fateful night, the Passover night, was a foreshadowing, a picture of a day coming to our world where God will judge the world, and he will judge it in righteousness and truth. There will be a second Passover. The Lord of glory will appear, I believe, in a darkened sky, fitting with the ninth and tenth plagues. The sky will grow dark, as it did in Egypt, and then the Lord of glory, with all the angels, will lighten that darkened sky. And if you know Him, it will be a day of a blessed hope. If you don't know Him, there will be great mourning and sorrow. For the realization will be that the God who made the world and everything in it has come, on a saving mission, but also a judging mission. And all that will matter on that day is whether or not you know the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So yes, one day there will be a great cry in our world, and the the tribes of the earth will mourn, we see in the book of Revelation. And so this is a picture of a day coming. And I pray that you do know the Lord, because He has been so patient. He's waited at least 2,000 years to return to bring many into the kingdom. And I pray that you've come into the kingdom. If you don't know him, trust in Christ today as your savior and Lord, turn away from your sin. Place your faith in the King. He is faithful to save. This is Pastor Michael Lance. You're listening to Walk in Truth right here on this radio station. Hey, we're coming to the end of the year and we really could use your help. First of all, would you please pray for us? We believe that prayer is vital, and the Lord has honored many prayers for this ministry as it has expanded to multiple radio stations and many thousands of podcast listeners around the world in countries that might be a little surprising, like India, for example, where we have a good number of listeners. We're excited about what the Lord is doing throughout the world, and we could use your prayers and your support. If you're looking to make a tax-deductible year-end gift, why don't you make it to Walk in Truth? Walk in Truth is faithfully preaching the Word of God and the gospel. And if you're listening right now, you've been listening for a while, uh, maybe you have really found a home here and you feel good about the teaching. You're telling friends about it. You're growing. Well, why don't you come alongside us? Even a small monthly partnership is Uh, helps us. Every little bit helps. A year-end gift would be awesome. You can do all of that when you go to walkintruth.com, clicking on the donate button. Maybe you're a business owner and you'd like to give a one-time larger gift. You can do that also at walkintruth.com, clicking on the donate button. Hey, we appreciate it. We love you. We're so grateful for your support. And uh, we pray that we'll meet you right here tomorrow for a great cry in Egypt. See you then.
0: And join us tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 12, 29 through 51, called A Great Cry in Egypt. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.